Well, before I begin, I would be remiss. We, we have a long-time brother of this church that's visiting us today. Tekli Selassie was one of those bigger-than-life men in my life in my first uh, trips to Africa, but he was a part of the World Vision staff back in the 80s who invited us and led us and guided us in those many uh, years that we were involved uh, in Africa, and he is with us here. He's still doing God's work uh, in Ethiopia and Sudan and many other places, and I need Tekli to stand so that we can greet him uh, officially by Meeting House Church. He's probably not happy that I just did that because he's a very humble man, but uh, we are so grateful for you and the life of this church and what that means. And so he's out in the comment after the service. Make sure you greet him and, and have a chance to uh, welcome him back to our church. And I also want to point out the fact that we have some friends uh, that just got done singing for us. The bow ties are here with us again. They were here once before with us, and we must have been okay because they came back. You might recognize Annalise, she's one of our choral scholars who's been with us for a couple of years and her wonderful husband, um, Tyler. All right, so we're glad that you're here and thank you for your music this morning. It was my first day, I'm 19 years old. I show up in Apple Valley, which at that time I didn't know where that was, although there, I actually live there now. I was going to work in a gravel pit for Apple Valley Ready Mix. I had no idea what that meant. I had no idea what I would be doing, but I was willing. I remember that first day standing in this gravel pit. There's conveyor belts running all over, moving sand and rock all over. There's all kinds of machinery, huge machinery that's sitting around. I met my boss, and my boss said, here's what your job's going to be for the next few weeks. We have this huge pile of trash that we've been gathering over the years, and you're going to clean all that up. I said, and I looked, and it was a huge pile of trash. I mean, there was metal, and I mean, it, it was car parts. There was all kinds of stuff. And I thought to myself, how in the world? He said, of course, you're going to use that front end loader in order to do that. And he says, I'm sure you've driven one of those before. I'm 19 years old testosterone flowing through every part of my body. And I said, oh, of course, I've driven a front-end loader before. There were three machines that he pointed to, all different. And I said, well, which one of those front-end loaders do you want me to drive? And he goes, stop fooling around. You know it's the one in the middle. I said, no problem. And so as I'm walking towards this huge piece of machinery, he said to me, and don't forget, they don't have brakes. Well, of course they don't have brakes. So just downshift, downshift, throw in reverse, you'll be fine. Right. I remember getting into this big machine thinking I was bigger than life, <laughs> thinking I was so powerful. About two or three hours into my project, not making much of a dent in that pile, I got a little cocky. I thought I had this machine that weighed, I don't know how many thousands of pounds, under control. I'd gotten a big scoop of eight yards of material, so this front end of this machine is, weighs thousands and thousands of pounds, and I'm barreling down this hill. At the end of this hill is one of the boss's sons, who I had not met yet. 
and he's loading a bulldozer, which I did know what that was, on a trailer. It's straight in front of me. So as I'm heading down the hill, I can tell that I'm picking up steam. And so I thought to myself, I need to slow down. Well, I forgot about the downshift, 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 and I went straight to reverse, which killed the machine. It's not running any longer. There's no hydraulics. There's no brakes. There's just me in this big machine heading towards the boss's son. I thought to myself, I'm going to kill this man. I literally threw my hands in the air. I said, Lord Jesus, save me. My hands are in the air. And for whatever reason, I believe it was God's intervention, the bucket dropped to the ground. The weight of that then forced the machine to the left. Now I look out my right window and I'm looking at this horrified man on the bulldozer that I would have killed. There's a genuine reason the Bible warns us in Proverbs 16, 18, that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Because I wasn't willing to say I didn't know how to run a front end alert. Because I was too proud to say, could you show me something? It could have been disastrous. Now, pride doesn't always lead to such events as that. But pride can lead to situations that we would rather not find ourselves in. And my friends, humility is hard to find in our culture today. Humans are naturally prideful, selfish, and sometimes full of ourselves, often fighting for what we believe we are due. I heard this story some months ago. In the summer of 1986, two ships collided in the Black Sea off the coast of Russia. Hundreds of passengers died as they were hurled into the icy waters. News of the disaster was further darkened when an investigation revealed the cause of the accident. It wasn't a technical problem, like a radar malfunction, or even thick fog. The cause of the accident was human pride. Each captain was aware of the other ship's presence nearby. Both could have steered clear but according to the news reports, neither captain wanted to give way to the other. Each was too proud to yield first. And by the time they came to their senses, it was just too late. Yes, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Because these two individuals were blatantly stubborn and prideful, many lost their lives needlessly. There is often an unnecessary cost to the lack of humility in life. In our passage from Philippians that Kim just read, we have a helpful description of Jesus' humility and helpful instructions on how we can choose to live more like him. And this is not easy because by definition, humility is humbleness of mind, lowliness, and modesty. And the world's not scrambling to attain these qualities. 
It's like the minister who said that they had an excellent sermon on humility, but was waiting for a larger crowd before he preached it. So like your joke. And it went over about as well. From our passage, we are reminded that humility is not boastful. It's not selfish. It's not arrogant. It's not prideful. Humility is concern for the other person, even if they don't share the same beliefs or values. It reaches out and supports others in need with a positive attitude and sincerity despite differences. So church, what if we, as followers of Jesus, began to earnestly adopt Jesus' example found in our text today? I love the letter to the Philippians. Paul, in writing this letter, is encouraging the Philippian Christians to figure out how to live in a way that will not only benefit them, following the example of Jesus, but also be a blessing to the world around them. What if we were to better adopt that example? What if we were the first to listen, to seek to understand, to find compromise, or to lead with love? Imagine, imagine what impact may we have on the world around us. The text in Philippians gives us an excellent and clear example of humility. And that example is Jesus. Our text reminds us that Jesus was the ultimate example of humility. Verse 6 says, Jesus, who in the very nature of God. Let's ponder that statement a moment. Jesus is God. And Jesus and the Father are one. In Jesus is all the fullness of the triune God. He was, is, and will always be God. Jesus was involved from the beginning of humankind and of Earth's existence. Jesus is the source of all that was and is created. Do you get the picture? Jesus, an equal part of the triune God, so the the better we understand Jesus' divinity, the better we understand the real hope we can find in him. Let me remind you of the verses 6 through 8 where Paul declares, Jesus, who though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, assuming human likeness, and being found in appearance as a human, he humbled himself and became obedient, even to the point of death, death on a cross. Jesus came to earth in human form to rescue us and to give us hope and purpose and ultimately a future. Going back to verse 5, Paul reminds us that as Jesus follows, our attitudes and actions must be the same as that of Jesus. Remember verse 5? Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Church, what if we were to adopt the mind and the attitude and the actions of Jesus? What would this actually mean for us? What does humility look like if humility is the humbleness of mind? Would there be more seeking understanding 
and less need to be right? Would we lead with gestures of kindness and generosity rather than being cruel or judgmental or small? I don't know about you, but my humble, kind, and generous muscles need some exercise. These muscles are not quite up to the task right now. But this passage calls us to exercise those muscles following the example of Jesus. But life gets in the way. And sometimes we don't see it coming. A woman was waiting for her plane at the airport. She went into a store and bought a magazine and a box of cookies. A few minutes later, she wanted to start nibbling on those cookies and she looked up and a stranger sitting beside her had his hand inside her bag, pulling out the cookies. Feeling some strong emotions emerging, she wondered, why was this person eating my cookies? She stared at him, put her hand in the bag and pulled out a cookie as well. He stared back at her, put his hand in the bag and grabbed another one. The nerve of this guy, she thought to herself. She stared intently back at him and stuck her hand in for another cookie. It went on that way until they got to the last cookie. She wondered whether he would eat her last cookie, at which point the stranger reached into the bag, took out the last cookie, broke it in half, and gave her a piece. Just then the woman's flight was called. She got up to walk toward the gate, and as she left, she she just turned around and gave that man one more dirty look and just shook her head and walked away angry. She eventually got to her seat and tried to take a deep breath and kind of get prepared for the flight. I mean, how could someone steal her food right in front of her? What kind of person does that, she wondered. She thought maybe her magazine would distract her, so she put her hand in her bag for that magazine, and guess what? There was her bag of cookies. It had been there all along. The guy hadn't taken anything. He was eating his own cookies. She was the cookie thief. Her lack of humility clouded her judgment. Jesus' example pushes us to learn and to grow. Can we learn to judge less? To seek to understand first? Can we lean towards humility and generosity first? Especially in challenging circumstances. In verse 7 of our passage, Paul reminds us that Jesus humbled himself as a servant. He came to earth in human likeness and made himself nothing, becoming a servant to humanity. There is no more significant example of humility than what Jesus demonstrated by being born a human, dwelling amongst humankind, and then offering his life for his creation. He took on all our malice, our envy, our deceitfulness, our evil desires and deeds. He created a way for us to experience grace and mercy and forgiveness, creating the real possibility to live differently that most of us long for, don't we? As Paul reminds us, this will take humility 
And humility is a state of mind, remember? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Throughout scriptures, we find examples of Jesus' humility towards others. He took time to see people. He took time to heal people, to listen to people, to care for people, to feed people. He even took time to minister to a criminal when Jesus himself was dying on the cross. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Friends, can we better identify with Jesus by participating in his humility? Can we strive to offer that same love for others as Jesus has offered us? Can we desire that same purpose in this world as he had? If so, how would we respond to those in need spiritually? How would we respond to those in need emotionally? How would we respond to those in need physically? How would we change how we respond to those who disagree with us? How do we respond to those who confront us with different ideas and beliefs? Would Jesus say, with humility? I wonder if we truly believe and accept what Jesus has done for all humanity. Whether our love, humility, unity, and purpose would blend better together if we could have a better understanding of that. I wonder if we truly believed and accepted what Jesus has done for all humanity, whether that love, humility, unity, purpose would then come together. As Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Would Paul have said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, if it was an unattainable goal? By the power of God's promised spirit, we are to strive to have a mind focused on Jesus' example. And as one commentary suggested in my reading this week, if we strive, we will get closer to the goal. Closer to the goal than we would if we hadn't strove at all. The big hurdle to true humility is pride. Pride leads to doubt and fear and tension and confusion and judgment. Pride is the barrier to living the example of Jesus. A young man asked for an appointment with his pastor to talk with him about a plaguing sin he was worried about. When he saw the pastor, he said, Pastor, I have become aware of a sin in my life which I, I can't control. Every time I'm at church, I begin to look around at the other men in the congregation. I realize I'm the best looking guy in this whole church. None of the others can compare with my good looks. Pastor, what can I do about this sin? The pastor replied, friend, that's not a sin. You're just mistaken. <laughs> but pride can be destructive. Pride undoes relationships, causes family splits, and can even destroy lives. Because pride says... I have, I have to have things my way. One translation of Proverbs 13.10 says, By pride comes nothing but strife. Pride splits, divides, and corrupts. The world 
preaches the message of pride, self-reliance, and selfishness, and domination over others. But Jesus not only taught humbleness, but Jesus, by his life, showed us how to live differently. My old youth pastor, a pastor named Craig Osborne, once said, there is a reason God created us the way he did, because it made it hard for us to pat ourselves on the back. He would go on to say, we need to practice humility rather than succumb to pride. He said that generally, but I know it was a message to me. I know he saw something in me, a pride that was not going to do well for me. And he was offering me a different way, a Jesus-following way. It's a message that he shared with me and I 40 years, 50 years later, have not forgotten, but yet still struggle with. Many years ago, Professor Stuart Blackie of the University of Edinburgh listened to his students as they presented oral readings. When one young man rose to begin his resuscitation, he held his book in the wrong hand. The professor thundered, Take your book in your right hand and be seated. At this harsh rebuke, the student held up his right arm. He didn't have a right hand. The other students shifted uneasily in their chairs. For a moment, the professor hesitated. Then he made his way to the student, put his arm around him, and with tears streaming from his eyes said, I never knew. I never knew about your situation. Please, will you forgive me? His humble apology made a lasting impact on that young man. This story was told sometime later at a local church. At the close of the service, a man came forward, turned to the crowd, and raised his right arm. It ended at the wrist. He said, I was that student. Professor Blackie helped me to understand what it was to live like Jesus, but he could never have done it. If he hadn't, from humility, made that wrong right. Practicing words like, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Thank you for your perspective. Thank you for pointing that out to me. How can I be a part of a solution? Is practicing humility and practicing being like Jesus. What does our passage say? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Don't you think, don't you think, my friends, whatever reputation we try to protect, if it doesn't align with God's values, are we just better off without it? I don't know if you've ever read the message, Eugene Peterson's version of Scripture. But I especially love what he's done for Philippians. Our passage for today in the message is this. If you've got anything at all out of following Jesus, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. 
Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet, your, sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside. Help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. From time to time, I need to take a long, hard look at myself when it comes to pride and lack of humility. How about you? How are you doing in this area? Are you trying to put others' interests before your own? Do you seek to live in harmony with others? Or more often than not, are you more concerned about your own wants and needs rather than the needs of others? Maybe we together can ask God to show us where we struggle with pride and seek the help God offers by the power of his Holy Spirit to help us change, to seek to live that humble life, following the example of Jesus. The Pharisees of Scripture would pray, God, I thank you that I'm not like those other people, those robbers, evildoers, and adulterers. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. How good am I? But when he prayed, the tax collector would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. As we strive to have that same mind as that of Jesus, that's where real change will come. Real change, real change for you and for me, real change for this community, real change for the world. May God offer mercy as we seek to follow Jesus' way of humility in a very challenging world. Amen.